This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. morning and welcome to this week's edition of the Yarra Bicycle Users Group radio program on Community Radio 3CR. Thank you to Democracy Now! for the last hour of current affairs. My name's Chris and Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio, well, a little program coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne, Australia about cycling and related transport issues. Uh, on today's show, interview is with Sarah M, our semi-regular contributor from Sydney. We're talking about some of the skills she's picked up from different types of riding and for many of us be like oh I know all this but you might pick up a little bit of a refresher. I mean when I was uh, interviewing her I kind of remembered a few things that I should be doing and uh, all the different types of styles of cycling you can do if you wish to do so. So there's some really interesting stuff there. Also a bit of uh, local news and events and I'll kick off with the fact that uh, we've got at the moment, uh, I believe today is the uh, getting, yes it's the 18th of December which means we're in peak silly season and also here in Melbourne we've got two days coming up of stinking hot weather. Given the uh, size of Victoria and Melbourne it uh, can uh, subject to fluctuation because we live in a temperate zone but uh, keep in mind when you're riding around to drink and keep yourself uh, hydrated if you're feeling a little overheated your core temperature is starting to get a bit uncomfortable take a break and find some shade you know get comfy and uh, a good bit of news uh, came up last week I don't know if it's still there but it's worth having a look at Canning Street in North Carlton and everyone knows there where you cross um, Princess to where the Dan O'Connell is there You've put a little pit stop out with uh, water and cups and a bin. So if you're kind of crossing that very popular intersection, avail yourself of that water if it's there. And if you're a local uh, venue or cafe or something like that, who thinks about doing something similar, have a look at what the Dan's done. It's a a lovely community service. And uh, if you want to use these things, remember, okay, there's a little garbage bin there for your cups and... uh, appreciate what other people do now also of note i'm very bemused to take the other thing which goes part and parcel with cycling which is you know related transport modes like public transport and i've been like probably many other people very bemused by elon musk uh calling transport expert one of the world's foremost transport experts an idiot and saying that public transport sucks well I think public transport uh, reflects the uh, priorities that the government of the time gives it. There was a bit of an exchange on Twitter and that kind of spilled over from wide last Thursday and basically 
Musk said that public transport is painful, it sucks. Why do you want to get on with something with a lot of people that doesn't leave you where you want it to want it to end, doesn't start where you want to start and doesn't end where you want it to end? Well, I think he's pretty much summed up the argument for why we should improve it and why we need it because not everyone is a rich tech bro, Mr. Musk. Not everyone has substantial sums of money to invest in either one of his very expensive motorised vehicles and or buy one of those, well, I mean, good technology, many of those standalone batteries you can get now, all the developments that's been going on in South Australia with their massive battery they've been doing for their statewide grid. I mean, these things are good, but uh, it's got to be taken with context of other things that happen in society, like, well, we're not all really affluent and we can't all buy into, you know, someone's uh, utopian thing of a tech future where we can just reach into our pockets or our digital uh, wallets and just go, I'll have one of those. It's um, So there's a bit of exchange on Twitter uh, between him and Jared Walker from Human Transit. Yeah, it's, it's actually worth reading, but basically went something like, in cities, Elon Musk's uh, hatred of shared space with uh, strangers is a luxury, or in brackets, pathology, that only the rich can afford. Let him design cities is the essence of elite projection. And I think that's an interesting thing from Jared Walker because it's where we've got ourselves into a mess with, again, getting into broader planning and transport issues here in Melbourne where large corps that started off tolling roads or building roads and tolling roads and the rest of it now basically control our transport uh, priorities and or infrastructure and or government spending and lock residents into having to use those uh, facilities forever and a day. And I could go into great details of why this sort of stuff is basically a cartel. Very interesting stuff from Mr. Musk, but what do you expect from someone who lives in a very elite, privileged position and his perspective on having to share things with the lumpen proletariat. Enough of the ranting. We've got a bit more news and events coming up, but look, I'm going to kick off with a really cruisy interview I did with Sarah M from Villa Aporte. She's also the bicycle mayor of Sydney, uh, about some transferable skills that she picked up from doing different types of riding. And this is set to the very sweet tune of Bewitched, Bewildered and Bemused by Ella Fitzgerald. The Solidarity and Defence Fund is a democratically controlled fund that materially supports activists who are facing legal sanctions or other problems due to their stand against injustice and oppression. All contributors who pledge at least $5 a month can take part in collectively making decisions about how the fund is used. Your contributions support and grow movements for social justice and defend activists in the fight for a better world. For more information or to join, go to patreon.com forward slash solidarity defense fund. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash solidarity defense fund. A 3CR supporter. I'm speaking to Sarah M, our semi-regular guest from Sydney. Hello. How are you? Excellent. So today you want to speak about 
some different things that you've done on the bike and how they have actually helped you riding where you're in a, such a lovely place like uh, Sydney. Yes, yes, a lovely place called Sydney with uh, all the sun now that we're here in summer and uh, everybody's a bit more relaxed and it's a great time to be able to ride actually because here we are in Sydney. Bewitched, bothered and bewildered am I? I think a lot of people know that I ride every day here in New South Wales and I'm seen basically on my bike usually these days on an e-bike. But what I wanted to share today was basically the little journey that I had taken where, you know, I, I didn't bicycle at all in Sydney until I had to because we had two children and I needed to get them to childcare and to school. Um, and I did that on a cargo bike in 2011. And what happened as a result was the cargo bike, um, which was actually a tricycle, again, to help me to be more confident, also had an e-bike conversion. So I had a bit of power to get up and down the hills here in Sydney, what happened was that I gained a lot of confidence to basically be able to ride in a bit of an antagonistic environment here in the city. You know, I took a course that the city of Sydney offered as well called Riding, Riding with Confidence, which helped me to develop the skills to be able to deal with the traffic and to deal with drivers and also to choose my path, which makes it possible then for me to ride in very um, low conflict situations. So what ended up happening was that my confidence grew. And then I thought, oh, you know, this is this is great. Let, let me try to commute to work. So it was still summer. And my husband said, well, why don't you think about getting an e-bike? So I said, oh, okay. So I picked up an e-bike. It was fantastic. I put a seat on the back for my son. I dropped him to childcare. My, my, my husband would take our other child to school. And, and it just became really fantastic, the combination of skills that I developed. Because I'd started out on a tricycle, you know, with full support, I didn't have to put my feet down, and then moving on to an e-bike where, again, I had the, the kind of additional boost to get up hills and to just manage. So then it became winter, and I was really cold. I was really cold on that e-bike. So my husband said, why don't you try your hybrid again? I had this old giant um, that I'd bought in, like, 2008, and here we were in 2013, and he said, why don't you just try that again? I said, oh, okay. So I rode that, and that was great because it's just cold enough here. Keep the sweat a little bit more at bay and just really refreshing to get to the office all happy and relaxed. I realized I probably needed to update, so ended up buying a new urban bike. And again, really enjoyed that in the winter and then up to the spring and then transferred back to the e-bike. And then what happened was... You know, my husband had started getting interested in racing and we accompanied him to a few, you know, kind of races and he had a great time. Didn't matter that whatever place he came. A good friend of ours who owned um, a bike shop in the city suggested that I actually try a mountain bike because we had the opportunity to go to the Hunter Valley and, and do some mountain biking. So I thought, oh, right, okay. And he had a demo day. So I, I chose this mountain bike, which was really, really comfortable. It was a Cannondale and it was kind of like sitting in an armchair going on your bike, going down hills and going up bumps. And it, the, the mountain bike was designed to, to give you additional cushioning and just bigger, fatter tires to give you more stability and all of these things. And because of that, I actually thought, wow, this is great. You know, let, let me try this because I developed these skills from commuting, which were quite strong for dealing with, you know, obstacles in your way, like cars and people and 
conflict as well. But, you know, here was another opportunity to try different bikes. So I took a course again, which is great. I fell a lot. You know, I've got a lovely scar on my leg that will probably last for another decade. <laughs> but again, you know, like I, I picked up some really fantastic skills, which I found to be extremely complementary to the commuting that I was doing every day. Because again, it was, you know, weight distribution and how to break and just additional tips to kind of improve the, the feeling of confidence and safety in terms of how to manage, how to handle my bicycle. Sadly, this bike shop that was in the city, City Bike Depot, that was owned by Hugh Flower, was actually closing and there was an opportunity to look at some other bikes. And by this time, my husband had purchased uh, a cyclocross bike and he was going really fast and really enjoying himself. And I thought, well, you know, let me try a cyclocross. I tried that on my mountain bike. It was really fun. Very difficult. But again, you're going against the clock. So and not everybody else. And if you get lapped by the leader, who cares, right? I'll sing to him Each spring to him And worship But I just thought, maybe I should try this road biking thing. Like, that seems like a lot of fun. You know, there are a lot of people in Sydney, a lot of people in New South Wales, who basically, you know, go on road and wear lycra and seem to be really enjoying themselves so i thought let me try one so i picked one up and that was also a thrill because it made it possible for me to pick up some more skills again and to be able to augment what i had already learned in mountain biking and my daily commuting what i found was that as i started on a cargo bike and i'd moved to an e-bike and then to a commuter and then to a mountain bike and road bike, i found i was i developed these skills that were transferable amongst all of these and it just served to help me to understand how my bike and i could work better together and, and to be to be safe and and to just kind of utilize the mechanics in a more comfortable way for myself. And I wanted to share the tips, which were actually, they're actually quite technical in terms of the things that I've learned from mountain biking and road biking, which I wanted to share to just kind of, you know, show how it's possible that you can actually improve your ride in a, in a few really simple ways that are very specific to these other types of bicycles, but are, are really simple to implement. Bewitched, bothered and bewildered Am I Are you aged over 65? The University of Melbourne is conducting interviews exploring how radio can impact well-being. Researchers will interview you for 60 minutes and in return you'll be given a $25 gift card. For more information, please visit cbf.com.au forward slash wellbeing. This research is proudly funded by the Community Broadcasting Foundation. A 3CR supporter. The things that I've learned from mountain biking and road biking are kind of technical, but I think it's possible to break them down into really digestible components for everybody. Um, so the first thing I wanted to talk about was actually braking technique, because of course, Everybody knows that you need to use your brakes to be able to stop or to slow down um, and then, you know, to sometimes stop really fast and how to manage that. Because when you're on the road and you're going to work, you need to do your best to stay safe and also just to avoid conflict. 
That's how I like to see it. The thing about mountain biking is that you are usually in the bush, away from, as one of my instructors said, things that leap out at you, like drivers and cars. One of the things that they were telling me was that you are actually very much in control of your situation. There's there's nothing that's going to leap out at you, which is, I think, a great a great way to think about it. The braking technique that they were telling me was to brake, use your brakes together, and you know, not to suddenly squeeze them quickly, but to 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 use a really lovely kind of slow squeeze technique to slow you down before in mountain biking. Usually, there's a scary thing. That's what I call it. Like there's some kind of a drop or there's some kind of a bump that you have to get over, some kind of a twisty, turny thing that you have to get down. And what they were telling me was, brake until you get to the scary thing, and then let go of the brakes, so that you've gotten to the speed that you want to be to be able to manage whatever um, potential conflict is ahead. Right. So I started doing that, and what I discovered was that that was much better, because what happens is that often when you're about to corner, about to, to turn when you're on a, a commuter. A lot of people, and I used to do this too, you use your brakes while you're turning. And that's actually quite a dangerous situation. You can lose control of your bike and fall in that way because your your wheels can lock up. And so what I do now then when I'm about to, to turn left or to turn right and I have no impediment in front of me, no stop sign, something like that, or a pedestrian, is I will slow down using my brakes in tandem, both of them, and then when it's a, when I'm about to turn, I let go of the brakes and then I corner. And it's a really, really easy way to, again, make yourself more stable on the bike. The other thing is that, again, the, there's this thing that people you have in cars these days, right? The ABS, the automatic braking system. Well, basically, you can do that too on your bike. It just requires a kind of a steady, gentle pulse on the, both of the brakes. Because, again, if you are in a situation where you have to brake pretty hard, what can happen is that your back wheel can lock up, again, if you're squeezing the brakes really hard. So, again, it's a gentle pulsing that will help you to slow a bit faster without the back brake locking up. Or if you hear the back brake locking up, just to let it go a little bit and then, again, pulse. That is, I think, really valuable for being in the city and, and dealing with, again, pedestrians or drivers or just the giant rubbish truck that, you know, is coming your way that you have to make space for. And also, you know, the other thing that I learned from road biking about braking is that sometimes when you're going down a hill, I think a lot of people like to just bomb it down the hills. I'm a little bit more conscious that I have two small children and a husband and I just need to slow down a little bit. But I don't want to white knuckle it all the way down the hill or, you know, uh, down the, the Albert Tibby Cotter Bridge here, that the, the lovely bridge that goes to nowhere, which I, I use quite often, but has a, a very kind of steep ramp that goes around in circles. And so what I'll do is I'll use my brakes again in tandem. Again, a gentle squeeze for three seconds on and then three seconds off, three seconds on, three seconds off. And that helps just to modulate my speed and just to feel that, just to give me the sense of control that I am actually in control of my speed, in control of the bicycle and in control of, of you know, the, what I'm perceiving as how fast I'm going. Bewitched, bothered and bewildered, am I... So those have been really helpful things for learning how to break. You know, sometimes here in the city as well, there are obstacles in your way. You've got some speed bumps, you know, which are supposed to help the traffic slow. Sometimes there, there'll be a, 
I don't know, a big stick or a, some things in the road. And usually you can go around them. But if you do have to go over them, you know, the speed bumps are a bit hard to avoid. What I learned from mountain biking, again, is basically this technique of loose arms and knees. Instead of taking the bump on your bottom, which is really not pleasant because you're going to get it twice going up and down, is basically rise up out of your saddle using your arms and your legs as obviously a means to rise. And they become your suspension if you don't have, you know, fabulous suspension on your commuter, which is typically the case. What happens is that because you have loose elbows and knees, they end up taking the, the shock of going over the speed bump. And sometimes you have the slightly raised speed bump where it's a bit longer and you've got the angle up and then the flat and you come down. And again, you just stay up out of your seat. I find that I just stay up out of my seat and, and I'm able to, to manage that kind of shock a bit better. It's a bit more comfortable getting absorbed in your arms and, and your legs than, than on your bottom. And I also learned this with a cargo bike because uh, when I was using the tricycle with a load of two kids in the front, you know, they're okay because they've got a cushiony seat and it's, you know, they've got two wheels around them, but I would have the one, one wheel in the back and I would get the shock. So again, I would stand up and rise and basically manage in that way, again, speed bumps generally. Because I've also found with that um, thing with MTB riding style was also mm-hmm. keeping making sure that your pedals are level both sides so you don't do yes. a pedal scrape, especially Correct. over speed bumps. I've found it's yes. glorious, especially here in Melbourne, because you're talking mm-hmm. from a Sydney perspective. I've had mm-hmm. stuff where you're going over a set of train lines and things could be a little uneven. Yes. And train or tram lines, I find that a really nice technique. If you're going over mm-hmm. parallel... Uh, you know, parallel to it, so you're not going along the train lines, and you keep your your pedals level, and you do that nice loose technique you're saying about your knees and elbows, and you don't rattle the hell out of yourself. Absolutely, because who yeah. wants to be rattled the hell out? Of <laughs> I know <laughs> exactly, but you know, you're trying to just get to work. You're you just know? trying to get to work, and it's a nice way of just like you know, yes. getting over it and using your your bike and your your own body's uh, natural. Uh, absorption skills to you know like oh that that doesn't feel so bad now once you've learned some simple things exactly i agree with you about the pedals because Mm. having level pedals is really really useful when you are encountering a speed bump the other thing that's helpful is when you're cornering so when you're turning right is to actually when you're going in the direction that you want to go to have that pedal higher at 12 o'clock and the other pedal at six o'clock yeah. when you're cornering, right? Because you don't want to hit the ground when you're when you're turning. An additional thing with cornering that I discovered, again with mountain biking, because generally speaking, sometimes when you're in a little bit of a scary situation with a tree in front of you, you don't want to go into the tree in your bike, right? So what I learned was that you look where you want to go, right? You look away from the tree. You look away from the pillion where you have to, is that called a pillion? Sorry, maybe I'm using the wrong word. It's the post that, you know, is supposed to stop people from driving into a particular pedestrianized or shared area. I'm using the wrong word. Pillion is incorrect. Bollard. Bollard, that's it. That's it. Bollard. Pardon me. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. (laughs) When you have, you know, three bollards in front of you, which are supposed to stop people from driving into a particular area, then you can actually manage to go through by looking at the empty space between. And you can do the same when you're cornering, when you're turning and you have something in front of you that you're turning around. Maybe let's say it's a parked car in the bicycle path, for example. Don't look at the car, 
look for oncoming traffic, look behind you, and then look where you want to go, and then smoothly go around whatever obstacle is in front of you. And generally speaking, your eyes and your head will take you in the direction of where you need to go. So again, the key is to look where you want to go. Don't look at the thing you're trying to avoid. If you look at the thing you're trying to avoid, you're going to hit it. And you don't want to do that. Tree, car, person, that kind of thing. And again, you know, using your, using your pedals effectively so that, again, whichever direction you're turning, you want that leg, the direction you're turning, to be at 12 o'clock and the other to be at 6 o'clock so that you avoid the pedal scrape on the ground. Burned a lot, but learned a lot. In terms of road cycling, you know, uh, the thing that was also really interesting for me about that is this concept of cadence, which I think, because I'm a musician, I understand the the feeling of rhythm, right? And that there's a beat to the pedaling that you practice because you're going along. For some people, it's maybe a little bit less intuitive in the sense that there is a rhythm to your pedaling that will basically carry you through. And so instead of just like a one, two, one... Two. It's actually a one, two, one, two, one, two. Or if you need to go a little bit slower, a one, two, one, two. And sometimes I would count this out to my kids when we had to go up a big hill and they were probably a little bit smaller and were struggling and probably in the wrong gear as well. It's like, you know, change your gear. And then I would shout at them, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, because that's a natural rhythm that you can follow in your own head to get you up that hill, to get you to, to to start out a bit faster, to, you know, just to commence your ride in a more comfortable fashion. Again, taking advantage of the, the mechanics that are already there on your bike. This, this is a good one for, for climbing hills with that, again, reference to my kids and shouting at them one, two, three, four, when we're trying to get up a hill in a slightly wrong gear, da, da, da is that this is really, really valuable for me. The hills are, are there, and sometimes, sometimes I'm not on my e-bike, so I have to climb as well. And what I'll do is I'll actually use a mountain biking technique, which is to sit on the edge of my saddle, the very front bit. It's a little bit uncomfortable for a little while, but it will just help you to get your weight over the front part of your bicycle instead of sitting in the back, over the back wheel, this just gets your weight up to the front to help you to, to get moving a bit better, a bit more easily, and to be able to climb the hill a little bit easier. So, you know, you can see the professionals in the Tour de France, when they're climbing in the mountains, they're all standing up. I mean, the thing is that they have so much stamina and, and muscle and memory to do all that, like, for hours. The rest of us, not really. I don't know. Maybe you do. I don't. Um, so this is a modified technique of that. It's just to move your weight forward by sitting on the front part of your saddle when you have a hill in front of you. Because again, it just gives you that added bit of momentum to get your weight in the right place. And, you know, weight distribution is really, really important when you're on a bike just to give you that little bit of extra help to deal with whatever. You know, when you're braking, I find that I naturally move to the back of my saddle as far as I can, a little bit hard on a really, really um, upright kind of Dutch style bike. But again, helpful just to if you're in a braking situation, just to move your weight to the back back wheel. Again, very effective. And for climbing hills then, to get your weight to the front. bothered and bewildered, am I? 
I'm Tash Sultana, and you are listening to 3CR. Please subscribe. Do yourselves a massive favour. Thank you very much. Bewitched, bothered and bewildered, am I? So these are the kinds of things that I have learned which have really helped to enhance the writing that I do every day here in Sydney. You know, everybody is very, you know, there seems to be a real perception of fear um, and, and lack of safety in terms of cycling here in Sydney. People in Melbourne have even commented on this as well to me saying, oh, I don't know how you do that, sir, every day in Sydney. But the fact is, you know, again, I'm choosing my path. So I, you'll never see me on Elizabeth Street. You'll rarely see me on College Street. You will never see me on King Street in Newtown. These are uh, potential places where there's a lot of conflict, which I like to try to avoid. And so using these techniques that I've, I've learned from mountain biking and road cycling has really helped to give me the confidence that, you know, I can manage the road, I can manage my bike, I can manage my speed, which gives me a, a really secure feeling. And because I've, you know, been able to plot some really good quiet paths to get to the city, to get to the inner west, to get to the beaches, it makes the whole experience for, for me much more positive and much more manageable. So I know that the press is very anti-cycling and I, I hear about it every day from people who remark that they are really surprised that I cycle every day and, and express a lot of fear. But I do believe that it is possible if you just try, you know, if you just try and you augment the skills that you have and you acknowledge the skills that you have and then try different things to basically improve your situation, make mm. it more possible for yourself. No more burned Hi, this is Sarah Yun. I am the founder of Velo A Porter, the bicycle lifestyle brand, and I'm also the bicycle mayor of Sydney. If you'd like to get in contact with me, I am very active on social media um, as Velo Aporte, or the Australian pronunciation is Velo Aporter, V-E-L-O-A-P-O-R-T-E-R on Instagram. I'm also very active on Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. Bewitched, bothered, and bewildered, no. It's that time of year we once again are selling two delicious wines generously donated by local winemaking star and 3CR supporter Luke Lambert. At $17.50, these wines are a super bargain, labelled especially for us, and they're even cheaper by the dozen or half dozen. Perfect as a gift or to fill a raised glass to toast 3CR at those summer festivities. Give us a call on 94198377 to order or you can go to 3cr.org.au forward slash shop.
Wines are available for collection from 3CR up until December 22. Ain't no mountain high enough to keep me from them. That's all I've got time for today. This is our last live show on 3CR for 2017. Thank you for your listenership, if that's a word, over the year. Uh, Val and Faith should be back on uh, live on the 8th of January. I've got two shows coming up. There's a bookend to this interview today with Sarah M with one of her friends from Sydney, and that'll probably be the next show you'll hear in a fortnight. And after that, I've got another little special that I'm still putting together. So we'll still have shows, but we're going to be taking a holiday. And also for next week, which is obviously the 25th of December, um, we won't be here. There will be a Tamil Christmas special, but listening for that. And I like, again, it's been a great year. It's been a bit of a heavy going year. But thank you also to all of you that, uh, going back to almost six months ago, who helped us stay on air by subscribing and donating to the 3CR Radiothon and especially keeping our target. And one little quick bit of news, even though I don't have all the details in front of me, uh, this Wednesday, the 20th of December, is the final Yarra Council Bicycle Advisory Committee meeting. They're usually 6.30pm. I don't have the uh, venue and the stuff in front of me, but I will put that into the podcast or give uh, Yarra Council's uh, switchboard a call or quick email. So I'll uh, see you in the new year, or you'll hear me in the new year, and I hope your uh, silly season slash festive slash festive season slash Christmas is a uh, pleasant, kind and calm one. Thank you for listening in 2017. This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au.